0: Do you want fighters to be in real fights? I keep seeing like Lemons who post things like "Oh, Cheeseman got beat and Fowler got beat and Ritson got beat. Yeah, because they're in proper fights. What do you want? Do you want them in proper fights or do you want them in easy fights? Or Woody Young gets another fighter beat? Make your fucking mind up. What do you want, silly tosspot? Do you want our fighters in real fights or do you want them in gimme fights? If they're in real fights, they're going to lose every now and again. So don't celebrate it when they lose Because 'cause you're sitting at home in your Transformers pajamas, knocking one out with your K or whatever you use. Shut I mean, the fuck you know, up, Other Eddie. substances are available. Um, but a <laughs> hey,
1: little Coogan chuckling there, like like he's not Chuckles part of the problem.
0: To, you can't win. You either give a fight or an easy fight. Oh, Eddie Earn's cherry picking. Dickhead. Oh, Eddie fight has got beat because he had a tough Twat. fight. So what do you want? Just let Mug. me know. Because if you just want easy fights, I'll just make them instead, and then Mug. we never lose.
1: Dick. get it up get up up
2: And welcome to the New Age Boxing Podcast. With me, Andy White, and with me today, Mr. Terry Japandama.
1: Yeah, sadly Michael Flatley's not with us today.
2: Um, I think he has, I don't think he's prepared to tell us just yet, but I think he has become a professional childminder. Uh, he's just, either that or he is actually teaching Irish dancing.
1: It's we don't even know the difference anymore.
2: No, he's, he, he's part of his, his part of is part of his whole package. But he hasn't
1: got the core strength because you know when you do that dancing you have to stay pretty upright. Right. And you know when you watch him sit down here, you see he struggles to do that. And then add in the <laughs> knee injuries. He do you
2: struggles. know what? struggles.
1: Mar- Mar- Martin's like the white Joshua really, isn't he? Just just we're just watching him unravel week by week, slowly unraveling.
2: Right, so the uh, the uh, the top of the episode there. In fact Martin's not with us this week, so there's that explanation out of the way. Uh he is unfortunately, bogged down with family duties. Um,
1: He's been uh, lactating a lot, so they've got him feeding today.
2: <laughs> but, right, at the top of the episode, you heard uh, an excerpt from an IFL interview with uh, Kuhn is t- uh, interviewing Eddie Hearn, over the top of which, you were firing abuse at him. I you was. You need to contextualise that well, okay, and justify so,
1: it. Okay, so first thing I want to say to people is, if you really want a good analysis of everything Anthony Joshua post the loss to Andy Ruiz, just jump on Porky's corner. He's done six episodes. It's about three hours worth of content and it's brilliant actually, because I would have thought Russ would have gone absolutely apeshit about all of this stuff, but it's really forensic and it leaves you with no doubt that actually Joshua, Matchroom, Sky, DeZona, all in a very, very dark place, right? So if you can get hold of that Porky's Corner, definitely get your views on that. Like, I mean, like those views are authentic, not like the other platforms who are boosting numbers so they can keep their sponsors happy. But no names mentioned this week in the interest of peace, love and unity. So with that considered, here's my issue. You can't have an interview where Hearn's saying, what do you want? Do you want competitive fights or do you want easy fights? Because for so long, he's given us easy fights. And when we were asking for the competitive fights, he was making excuses. Here's an example. Wilder says $50 million, Joshua, let's make the fight happen. We now accept that these guys have the money. There's no question about that, right? They have the money. We heard excuses about why that fight couldn't happen. That there were excuses made then. That was the fight we wanted to see. Parker was an easy fight.
2: That that is on the assumption that that fifty million was definitely offered and it was excuses that Hearn made. I'm just trying to say that it's you're you're putting it through very much the prism of your own argument there. That- no
1: no not really. I'm, I'm putting it through the prism of everything that came after that offer was made. Because if you remember, it was sure proof of funds. And then it was well, no, no, no. We know they've got the money. We just don't think it's the right time for the fight. So it's not me trying to spin it. Like these interviews were made where they acknowledged the money was there. But then they were like, no, no, the fight's got to happen in the UK for the UK fans. Joshua's a UK fighter. He does the fights for the UK fans. But then he comes to America to fight. Do you see what I mean? So Hearn it's a bit rich. When we, when we wanted Fowler Cheeseman before, we're given all these excuses why we couldn't get Fowler Cheeseman. And then they gave him Fitzgerald. And Fitzgerald upset the apple cart, much like Ruiz did. That wasn't expected. Hearn did not expect that fight to be competitive. So he's being wise after the fact, which which annoys me. So you look at all of these other fights and you go, Hearn has a record of putting guys in. So Conor Benn and was it Cedric Peno, the French guy, remember, where Conor Benn managed to win a fight seemingly having been put down and so forth. The, And that wasn't meant to be a hard fight. That was meant to be an easy fight. Eggington, his whole career was meant to be easy-ish fights. And then they just thought they'd cash out on him. So Hearn has a record of putting really one-sided cards on. Next Gen's a prime example. Jordan Gill wasn't supposed to lose. He, He then turns it around afterwards and says, I put them in hard fights. I gave the fans what they wanted. No 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 you didn't give the fans what they want because if i say to you andy who do you want to see joshua fight really
2: um probably wilder okay we're nowhere
1: near that fight right then we go okay who's who's another hern crown jewel you've got we'll just take Kel Brook. who do you want to see cal brook fight next
2: no one I want to him retire
1: or fight Amir Khan right <laughs>
2: yeah I mean maybe
1: yeah, ish I yeah. still wouldn't watch it but but we know we're nowhere close to that fight either right but you I can go down the whole matchroom roster the fights the fans want to see aren't the fights the fans are going to get so until Hearn can give the fans what they're asking for I don't think he's in any moral position to tell us what we should expect because he doesn't set these cards up Joshua wasn't meant to be in a competitive fight in New York Although they there to put all the stops out just to say to Wilder, one fight deal, come to Madison Square Garden and fight Joshua. They chose not to. So what I saw in that interview, Andy, was A, a guy who had clearly drunk too much and maybe consumed one line of Coke too many. I can't say he did. It seemed that way, but that's just an opinion. And you also saw a guy who's clearly rattled, because I think I said it last week. The guy we should all be thinking about is John Skipper. John Skipper has one role, and that's to make boxing work on Da Zone. Joshua losing is a massive kick in the nuts. And I imagine Hearn would have felt some of that pain too. So now Hearn's rattled because he's now got to bring back his status within the zone. Because let's take an example. Delahoya has delivered on two big cards. But look, look, so so here's what you ultimately have. You have Delahoy, who's delivered two Canelo fights that have been good. Rocky Fielding, Canelo steps up in weight, stops him. Daniel Jacobs, he he squeaks through, according to some people, but he wins against someone who people had as one of the top four or five middleweights in the world. So De La has delivered. Now Triple G's coming, and Triple G's not undermatched from Triple G's a a zone fighter. So Triple G comes in, delivers. Now you're looking at De La Hoya and Golovkin's crew, K2, coming together in September, May, before third fight, which will be the biggest fight on zone. Hearn is completely out of that picture. And the only reason we think Hearn is important is because guys like IFL chase him around the world and interview him. So we get the impression that he's important. He's not important to Lou Bella, He's not important to Al Heyman. He's not important to Bob Arum. He's not important to Oscar De La Hoya. He's not important to... Tom Loeffler. he's not important to anybody because the one Trump card he had in his arsenal was Joshua and Joshua's just been found, I mean he's just been found out to be as hollow as an easter egg so that's my issue right now with with Hearn coming out fighting because he's he's almost like he's found a backbone a week after his cash cow got put on his backside and let's remember who did that to him Andy Ruiz and they try and say this thing like Yeah, we did this in Ruiz's own country. No one in New York knew who the hell Andy Ruiz was. No one. Nobody. Because he wasn't expected to
2: win. But what difference does that make?
1: It, It makes a difference in the planning, yeah? There was a narrative, which is why, if you noticed, during the Joshua fight, they had Joshua adverts. So you've got Joshua adverts happening while the guy's getting his ass beaten. Right, so Beats now have to redo their campaign because you got to pull that stuff now, right? Because you can't have your your brand associated with a loser. So you got to pull that stuff. Whoever whoever owns the links, it might be Unilever. They need to pull that stuff. Lucas, said you got to pull that stuff. Range Rover, pull that stuff because Josh was not a champion and he's now lost. So everyone's now having to to rebase do, their expectations. Do they?
2: Or yes. do they not wait until the rematch? No. And then and then they can spin it as, you know, nope. tenacity, has no limits. Okay. So, or so let me ask they? you a question, Andy.
1: You've got a Lynx advert. You've got Joshua there looking tough as anything. All someone has to do is airbrush your strap line, put some kind of funny little line on there and it's your brand that's associated with that. That gets to 5 million views. Now all of a sudden you're like, we need to clean this up. You will pull all your content. That's generally how it works in the comms world. If if the message you intended to share in originally is no longer there, there's no point in having the content there. So I don't know what the marketing budget is for some of Joshua's work. Let's just say it's a million and a half in total across all the brands. Then I have to pull that back. Do you really want to do a meet and greet with Anthony Joshua now? No. So where's the content capture opportunity now, now that he's lost? Nowhere. I've, I've heard from sources that all of his contracts have, renegotiation periods that happen after the defeat so his numbers might go down in that sense there's a lot of stuff that's happened behind the scenes that no one's talking about and quite rightly too because as you know as other podcasters like to say we're not accountants whatever the reality is the commercial entity that is anthony joshua took a mortal blow on saturday and hearn wasn't lying when he said if joshua loses again his career is in a very dark place it's very true
2: but isn't that his career, the way that he's, the way that it's been created? Like, for example, someone like Dillian White, who doesn't have the same um, uh, commercial interests as Annie as Joshua behind him, were Dillian White to lose twice. I mean, within reason, any box that loses twice in a row—that's that's sort of heading up his division—is going to be struggling, right? But if you lose twice, when you've got all these commercial deals that are on the basis that you're a champion and you're unbeaten, then that that's always gonna that's always gonna hurt. But is it is it only because if you look at the height with which he's sort of got to, and then looking at the depths with which he would go? If you just lost, because anyone else who lost twice would still be at that similar level. Do you get what I mean? It's just that he would have lost a lot more high. I don't see how if if Joshua loses to Ruiz again, people go, "Oh my god, Ruiz!" That for me would legitimise Ruiz at least amongst the big players until you watched someone else take him out. And but you'd still want to see Joshua fight. Maybe you maybe so, wouldn't no, be that so, interested in so, fighting so, Deontay Wilder, but no. you still want to see him fight. No. You you don't want to see Amir Khan fight.
1: Yeah, but that's you just said it. You just said you don't want to see Amir Khan well, fight. I was,
2: I was you d- want to see him retire, right? No, that was uh, Kel Brook. But actually... Oh, Kel, sorry. It, sorry. It, so I said it does it go for the same for Amir Khan. I don't, I yeah, don't care about so, either but of them.
1: You see, but take the same logic and go, if we can't see these guys at a certain level, um, do we really abat- want to my see My appetite does wane severely. It's true. So... Here's how I look at it. If I've got a wire-edge Vauxhall Nova or a wire-edge Ford Escort, <laughs> if you see it without with one of its wing mirrors hanging, right, you're kind of like, whatever. If it's got a few scratches and a few dents, you're like, whatever. It's a wire-edge Escort. It's all right. I show up in a Bugatti Veyron and the wing mirror's missing. That ruins the whole thing. You're like, that's a 2.5 million pound car and your wing mirror is broken. That's garbage, man. You're, you're not living right <laughs> You're just judged to a higher standard. Josh was judged to the standard that he's allowed to be created.
2: Right, but the, to carry on that that analogy, that metaphor is that the Bugatti is still a valuable asset, whereas the just Desco is not. But you, you know, but you're not paying two and a half
1: million for a car the wing mirrors all hanging off. Because then you're like, what else is wrong?
2: Proportionally, you would pay. You would like in order to repair that wing mirror. It would cost you less than the money that you would lose from this cost of a sale, i.e., what I mean is, Andy Joshua as a as an asset would be severely dented, but only until that dent is is repaired. I.e., he goes and fights. Mate,
1: the dent's irreparable.
2: Is it? The, you
1: lost to Andy Ruiz Jr., and it is likely you could lose the rematch. To Andy Ruiz right, okay, all right. Jr. So well, you, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Not Tyson Fury, the guy who had the belts you had. Not Deontay Wilder, the most savage heavyweight puncher since God knows when. Right, Not these sorts of guys. You didn't lose to Daniel Dubois, who will go on to be a world champion. Joe Joyce, who's an absolute monster. You didn't lose to guys like Filip Hergovic, who might just be those freaky phenoms. You lost to Andy Ruiz Jr., the guy that was plodding along on the circuit, making enough money to feed his family. Yeah? That's what he was doing. And he got a lucky break, man. Like, Andy Ruiz is living the Rocky thing right now. Let's not lie about that. Like, we don't even have to watch Rocky anymore. We, we saw it. Last Saturday, we saw Rocky in the flesh. You're telling me that Anthony is not mortally wounded? A guy with people like, I'm not taking six and a half million dollars to fight that guy. Now everyone's like, I'll do it for a million. Why? It's easy work. That's a massive fall. Are oh, people
2: and, uh, really saying that?
1: Yeah. Oh. Uh, so, uh, let me not snitch on here, but I've spoken to some heavyweights who are UK-based, and they will take the fight... Against any, Joshua? Anytime. Anyplace. <laughs>
2: <laughs> what? Yeah. Just because they saw
1: Ruiz get a... Well, we didn't, but this is the whole point, right? When Tyson lost to Buster Douglas, everyone wanted to go, because it's like... It's almost like until you can see how it's done, it looks impossible. And then Ruiz showed how it's done. And now you look at yourself and you go, I'm bigger than Ruiz. I'm fitter than Ruiz. I throw more punches than Ruiz. I hit harder than Ruiz. Why can't I go and do that?
2: Okay. So by that logic then, you're saying that Ruiz is definitely going to win the rematch?
1: Uh, No, I'm not. I'm saying he has every chance of winning the rematch. I think Andrew Ruiz, I said it last week. I think sometimes in life you meet your nemesis there might be that guy who has all the things that you hate doing it's like there's some boxers who look amazing when they fight orthodox fighters and they look horrible when they fight southpaws
2: yeah that's what i mean how many uk fighters have we have we got the mirror and ruiz's skill set uh john palata
1: i'm surprised they didn't have john palata in camp for this because John's got the best counter left hook of any heavyweight I've ever seen. And that's exactly what Joshua needed to defend against. John would have caught him every time because Joshua's lazy with the right hand. He'd have landed that left hook for fun. This doesn't mean that John Palata beats Joshua. What it means is he gives him the right kind of trouble to prepare him for a guy like Ruiz because he's mobile he he reads the situation in order to throw that left hook and he goes to the body pretty well and he throws I, in combinations
2: I, I, the thing is right now you've got a heavyweight champion that you know whether we like it or not uh, there will there is a there is a proportion of the the UK boxing fan base out there what well, the fan base in general who rated Joshua as potentially the best heavyweight in the world at the moment. Now, I recognise that you you don't you don't recognise the legitimacy of that argument, but there are UK fans, there are sorry, sorry, boxing fans out there that will think that way. That if you go to the most ardent Joshua fan right now, their thoughts on it could be, you know, obviously a myriad of things. But one of those things could be the fact that look, he's either underestimated Ruiz or he's not prepared properly for Ruiz. All of those arguments mm. pa- pale into insignificance if he loses again. Well,
1: no, no, but a- there's no there's no basis for those arguments because Josh, Joshua's own team have said there are no excuses. We did everything right. So what are the what what is it the reason no, no, hold, What's the jo- what is it that Joshua fans know that Joshua's team don't know? Because if you're telling me that. Oh, there there was something wrong with Joshua. I know. I'm like, okay, you tell me what was wrong with Joshua and you provide the evidence of that. I don't want to hear my mate told me because he was in Miami cycling along South Beach and he heard a thud and that was clearly Joshua getting knocked down. I don't want to hear (laughs) anything stupid like that. I have my suspicions. I think there was something wrong. I think he went into the ring in, in the wrong state of mind, but... I think once you commit to the fight, you commit to the fight. Look, remember when Wilder showed up and he had his arm bandaged up because he had burns from falling off a motorbike? And he came and he fought and he still did his thing. Do you see what I mean? Like, Joshua fans are this unique bunch of people who are probably mostly beaten up at school. <laughs> Come on. You no, can't, no, no, no. You can't tell everyone with this. No, 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 the no, same no brush. You, you you have to because Remember those kids who used to get beaten up at school? Their first instinct was, I'm just going to stand behind the biggest, strongest guy I know, and I'm joining his team. And I ride for that guy till, till whenever, I... until, until he loses. Then I go with the other guy. And it's human psychology, and I get it. Yeah, And that's why they were so zealously in favor of Joshua. They were like, remember that guy Stick and he had his fu- fury power thing, right? And Fury Power was were just behind Tyson and Huey Fury. And these guys were, they were zealous, when They were like the Scientologists of boxing. It was scary. But I love Stig. I think Stig's a fantastic man and a great human being. The Joshua fans are similar. They have this delusion about how good their guy is. But like I said last week, all the clues for Joshua's downfall were there. And they lined up beautifully with, with my view on heavyweights. And I've said the future of the heavyweight division is about mobility, Combination punching and just that—I mean, just that knowledge and nous that you can only get from doing rounds in the ring. And Ruiz ticked all of those boxes: what, a hundred wins, five losses as an amateur, would have been in the Olympics had it not been for Oscar Rivas. Yeah, we're talking about a kid who was doing this as a teenager. So there's nothing Joshua can throw at Andy Ruiz he has not seen before.
2: But but see this again. You saying this makes it sound like you are, you'll be shocked if Ruiz loses the rematch.
1: I won't be shocked if Ruiz loses the rematch because I can see how Joshua could win. But what I'm saying to you is. With... No, no, no. What I'm saying to you is Ruiz is the man that won. Therefore, he's the man we should be talking about. He's the man. In, in terms of Joshua and Ruiz right now, if they were sat in this room next to each other, Ruiz is the guy that we've got to offer the drink to first. We've got to offer him the, the Doritos first and the dip. <laughs> like Joshua Joshua will get the dip with like the little bits of Doritos in there. Do you know what I mean? But
2: right, but the, yeah. I I I get that logic, yeah. but there is also a massive profile and uh, a fan base surrounding Joshua, which requires no, that conversation. No,
1: no, the conversation about Joshua was he has all the belts apart from one. That was the conversation. Remember, why well, can't Wilder get 50-50? Look how many belts Joshua's got. It wasn't about anything else. Look, Joshua's got all the belts, Wilder's got one. Joshua has no belts. Ruiz has all of the belts bar one. Yeah? I'm just using the logic that was used when, they, when Joshua had the belts. So Ruiz is the man. And so when you look at that guy, you go, how can he win again? He could be more savage to the body, in my opinion. I think he could probably, from a lower base... Just rip to the body. Don't even worry about the head now. He knows he can touch Joshua's head at any time. Just rip to the body. Really try and break his ribs. That's what I'd be trying to do if I was Ruiz. I'd be like, how can I hurt him even more? Punch accuracy, punch volume, punch velocity. He's got all of those over Joshua.
2: Can AJ win? We don't know because we don't know what went wrong. Okay, so what has AJ got in his locker that and allows him to beat Ruiz? Based on last week, nothing. Yeah? Right, but you no, said no, no, you no. No no, him winning. no, 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 no. Hold on.
1: Based on last week, nothing. That's the first thing we all need to agree on. If you're only as good as your last fight, based on last week, nothing. Yeah, but no, hold on. <laughs> on. What would he need to do to beat Ruiz? That's the question you're asking, right? Not what can he do. But, what right, would he need to right, do? What would, he, what would he need to do based on what you already know about him? Yeah. Okay. We'll start. Well, let's just start with the simple remediation stuff. Keep your fucking right hand up. Start with that. Number two, don't have a low left hand. That's just not you. You're too slow. You don't read fights well enough to do that. You don't even know why you're doing it. So don't do that. Three, you ain't got to always go forward when you punch. Punch going backwards. You know, use use the skills you learned as part of Team GB to get you through that. You know, because if if I had Joshua in my camp now, I'd be saying to AJ, look, when you fight Ruiz, we're only going to concentrate on the first three rounds. First three rounds, I don't want you to give him any confidence. I don't even want you to go for the knockout. I want him to be punching and missing. I want him to be eating your jab, nothing else. No right hands, no big left hooks. Let's take away his confidence. Let's make him realize he's in for a long fight. Second half of the fight, we'll turn it up. That's what I'd be saying to Joshua. We'll turn it up. We start to throw the, the uppercuts the jabs, the uppercuts, the hooks. That's when I'd start to do that.
2: Do you think there is legitimacy in the argument that AJ basically took uh, a hard shot in the third and then never really recovered? Um, Okay. Is there a case to say that Vladimir Klitschko took
1: a really hard shot in the 11th and never recovered? Is Is there an argument to say that Charles Martin took a really hard shot in the second and never really recovered. Is there an argument to say that Brazil took a really hard shot in the seventh round and never really recovered? It's almost a, it's a weird argument. Like that's how you're supposed to win fights, right? I want to hit you with something you can't recover from. Otherwise I'm in for a long night. So let's not take, let's take the approach of Ruiz did his job. He got a punch in that big ass head of Joshua's and he exposed the fact that Joshua's not solid under that kind of pressure. So now, the next guy has to come along and hit Joshua about the head a bit too and see if he can no, get I, the same reaction
2: i think my my reaction to the fight i don't have any axe to grind with um with Joshua particularly i mean i it frustrates me the way that Hearn is so transparently um uh, a salesman but then that is his job so it, it's just the way that he goes about it smug and arrogant and the like for example the interview we played at the beginning saying oh oh do you want him in real fights or what no don't try and don't try and kid a kidder mate like <laughs> he's so blatantly transparent however so that's what irritates me so i'll be up front with that um but post fight we had uh, people saying other oh, you know there was all kinds of conspiracies to do with AJ had been dropped during the week or that he was concussed or, you know, there, he had a seizure or something. And then there was AJ's dad having a go at her. And and then there was, it was a, it was a conversation as to whether he'd said to, you shouldn't have let him fight. And that was the gripe of his problem. And then there was another counter argument. No, he was saying that the fight shouldn't have been stopped. And my opinion on all of that was, I, I don't really have any sympathy with any of those arguments if you're if you're a heavyweight champion and you've had a seizure if you've had a concussion during the week if you, any of these things has happened understand the gravity with which you've, with, of the situation with which you're in and call the fight off and take whatever it is on the chin and say i'm not ready for medical reasons or i'm injured or any of those things deal with it at the time if you don't have the guts or the foresight Or whatever it is that has stopped you from doing that, then you deserve the repercussions of that inaction. Um, And if it isn't to do with those things and you've lost, then you've lost. I mean, you you could. There may be some congratulations over the fact that you've picked a good enough opponent that can that can fight you and, and win. But other than that, there's not much to be gained from it. He's 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 lost the fight, and that's it. I, so I don't really have a, a great deal of sympathy for any of the arguments around Joshua. He either lost legitimately, or if there was an issue before the fight, he lost through inaction. Uh, so I that's yeah. how I that's Ooh. how I, I faced it up. But I just I just I wanted to get your sight of things from the joshua perspective because i realize your frustrations with the machine that surrounds joshua can sometimes lend it to sounding like you're anti-joshua
1: um i'm anti the edifice around joshua i don't know him as a person i'm sure if i sat down with aj there'd be a lot we got along with i don't like the edifice around it because let's look at everything that's happened since he's behaved in a way that doesn't suggest he's lost so I don't know if whoever follows him on social media, he's just cocking around in New York, you know, having a laugh with his mates, playing chess and stuff. But I'm like, mate, you lost. And I think he's back now and he's training. But then I'm like, well, you got stopped. Like, surely you just want to chill for about 90 days, let your head recover and stuff, if nothing else. Especially if you did get dropped in sparring, then, you know, you want to ease yourself back in. But if you look at it, he's got five months between now And the rematch.
2: Well, uh, actually, a quick question on that. Why is it so far away? Or is it not far away? It just feels like a long time.
1: Well, they only fight twice a year. So you have one in the first half of the year. But that's a
2: self-imposed limit, right? I imagine so, yeah. So if you were controlling this, would you have them fighting that late in the year? Or would you have them fighting I Well,
1: like I said, it all goes back to... Was the Joshua from Saturday... The new Joshua is that what we need to expect from Anthony Joshua going forward? If it is, I'd swerve the rematch. If that was an aberration, if that was a one-off, then yeah, take the rematch.
2: Okay. Uh, okay. But
1: but then uh, but then here's where it gets complicated. Ruiz has all four belts, so Ruiz is one of two options. He either goes, I want all the belts, so I want to fight Wilder, or he goes until I have all of the belts having three is irrelevant having there's no it's no different to me than having two or one so now you start to say well Eddie what am I doing I might vacate one of these belts and then you know then you're gonna have to pay a lot more people a lot more money to to do that because Ruiz doesn't need those belts anymore he's he's now beaten Joshua so he's kind of like Fury was when he beat Klitschko where you're like, I want to see Ruiz in some big, meaningful fights. I don't even care if he hasn't got the belts. So he could vacate the belts and scatter them, which ruins Eddie Hearn's plan because now Joshua's got to go all the way around again and pick up these belts. And we now know that he's vulnerable.
2: So so Ruiz, because that's one of my questions coming up actually. Ruiz could conceivably lose or surrender or whatever any one of the belts that he's won off Joshua. Yeah, he could vacate. The belts. Yeah. Why would he do that though?
1: Well, if they don't give him the money he wants, he'd go, yeah, I'll do the rematch with Joshua, but I'm, I'm, I'm relinquishing all of the belts. Let's just do this rematch. (laughs) It's what i would do. i I'd I'd say to her, I want to relinquish all of these belts. I didn't have them six weeks ago. I don't need them now. I've got the money. I want to get the money off Joshua. Maybe I'll retire. So I'm going to scatter these belts so everyone else can fight for them. So how about you give me money that
2: I want? Um, Something you said, leading into what we've just said there, you you said, this is is this the new Joshua? Is this what we're expecting? The question I have then, the obvious question is, do you believe then what you saw was a different Joshua to what you've seen in the past, and would have a previous Joshua beaten Andrew Ruiz? What has changed in your opinion? The low left
1: hand. He's always had the chin in the air, but he's always been able to get himself out of distance. But I think, I think actually, if you look at a lot of the previous Joshua fights, he was able to hit people with a quick combination and put enough weight in those shots that people thought twice. And if you watch, a lot of guys just retreat back to the ropes against Joshua. Ruiz is one of the handful of people, like Povetkin did in the first part of his fight, that went after Joshua. And Joshua struggles with that. That... That that thing of having to concentrate for three minutes of every round seems to be beyond Anthony Joshua at the moment. And that's what Ruiz can exploit, and he can exploit it again and again and again. As long as his chin holds up and he can take some of those shots or he can take the sting out the punches, he only needs to be in mid-range for Joshua. And Joshua will just start to, he'll stress out, panic, his body will start to tense up, and then the lactic will build up and that's his stamina gone.
2: So regarding our podcast last week, I got a few comments back regards the, your analysis on Joshua and a you lot of to name names? A lot a lot of things. Um I mean I, I won't I won't oust this guy because he had the courtesy with his feedback to say courtesy, but he look he was discreet and he wanted to send it okay, to me privately. Cool. Okay. As long point. as he
1: did it in the shadows, it's
2: all good. <laughs> But like, yeah, fine, I've got whatever. We appreciate feedback full stop. But this guy comes in, he sort of says, look, I've got a contradiction that I want to, to, to air. Now, he says there's a contradiction here. Regarding Parker in this episode, i.e. last episode, uh, it was qualifying Ruiz fighting world-class people. And you ask, i.e. me, ask Terry who... Ruiz has fought his world class, and Terry says Parker. You put out the loss to Parker, and Terry says it was debatable. The contradiction being that AJ beat the same world class Parker easily. I.e., if Ruiz even narrowly lost to Parker, but it was debatable, even if he narrowly beat uh, Parker, AJ dispatched Parker easily. So therefore, on that basis, AJ surely <laughs> is what AJ is what. Well, <laughs> the the idea being that you can't qualify Ruiz as being a having world class opponents in the past if he's lost to the guy that AJ dispatched cool. easily. Okay,
1: so let's let's walk through that. Number one, that 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 whole if A beat B and B beat C, A beat C, it doesn't work that way. Boxing has so many variables to it that it's actually just about what happens in the ring first and foremost, right? now Parker versus Ruiz as a fight is guys who are probably separated by no more than two inches in height and in terms of reach I imagine they've got pretty similar reach so and stylistically Parker can take more risks against Ruiz because he's got the reach advantage he's the taller man he's the heavier man well I use that term advisedly he might not be the heavier man so I I take that back but Parker can take a lot more risks against Ruiz than he can against Joshua. Right? Because Joshua's a taller man and Parker now has to get used to dealing with someone who's got the reach on him. Has he got the tools to cope with that problem? Just, hold on, hold on. Just that problem. The answer is probably no, because that's why he lost. Now Ruiz didn't have the same problem with Joshua because now Joshua's got a different problem that goes, this guy's tiny height wise and he's got quite short arms. So how do I control the geography where this fight happens? They're completely different problems. So if you're saying to me, I can't say that Parkour's world level, at that point in time, they were fighting for a world title. That makes you world level, right? We can't dispute that. Otherwise, w- what's the meaning of world level? Mm. Does it make any of them special? No. D- will any of them go down in the Hall of Fame? Don't know yet. No. No, no, but yeah, but okay, we don't know yet.
2: That makes Charles but- Martin world level. Well, we have to accept that. No, <laughs> no, right. wait, wait, wait. No, no. I suppose you no, do. No, wait, wait. But wait, he's wait. not well class. No no, no,
1: no. So, Charles Martin got the belt because the other guy fell over. Remember that? I can't remember what his name was Glasgow. That's right. And he fell knee, over. His knee so, went, didn't he? Yeah. It? So, so however you want to put it, like, how, I mean, that that should have been a rematch, if nothing else. An immediate rematch. The guy fell over, but then Martin said, "I'll take the money and I'll sell my belt." Fair enough. So we're not comparing like we're like here, right? When Parker and Ruiz fought, they were the logical two to fight for that WBO belt when it became vacant, when Fury lost his belts, right? That, that It's is that simple. So then we look at Parker and we say, Parker had done his thing as an amateur at the top level. I think, had he fought Huey Fury as a youngster? He definitely fought Tony Yoker. So he had done his thing, like like Parker's up there, and now he's fighting for a world title. Oh. So yeah, at that point you can say, okay, this guy's he's 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 in that top table discussion of the guys who are currently doing it. So for Ruiz to be in that fight, that's the level you boxed at. When you say Joshua beat him easily, yeah, but that's not necessarily a you're a better man, you're a tougher man than Parker. No, it's just Parker couldn't solve the problems you posed. And, I mean, you could solve the problems he posed. Now, there's an argument to say that the referee made it impossible for Parker to do to Joshua what Ruiz was able to do. Would that have changed the fight? Absolutely no idea. But what I can say is, when someone was free to work on the inside with Joshua, when someone was free to make life hell on the inside for Joshua, he folded. And Ruiz was able to do that. That's the bottom line. So, My friend here who says I'm contradicting myself, you've got two options now. You either now say Ruiz is a world-level fighter, or you say Josh is a club fighter. Choice is yours.
2: Okay, in an effort to try and balance things, because I am aware that some of our listeners feel like you are biased in certain areas, especially against AJ. Mm. There, I am... I'm bringing Mm, up mm, some of them that have got in touch. Oh, wow. Um, Hamed Zaman replied to... Hamed? Hamed? Or H, as he's he's gone by his handle, but um, replied to our previous podcast. Okay, so A,
1: thank you for listening. I'm not even saying that to be sarcastic, genuinely. Like, I don't mind people challenging what I say. As long as Which is all he's done,
2: to be fair. Yeah. Is, as long as they're
1: listening, it's all and good. And he's
2: not his yeah. constructive feedback, to yeah. be fair. So. Yeah, it's all good
1: natured. Don't mind it.
2: Uh, Terry is very biased. Funny how he ripped apart Joshua's resume when he finally lost, yet defends Wilder, who has a trash resume and has fought one live body. Think it's safe to say Fury is the best, but prior to Saturday, Joshua had the best resume. Wilder fought... Two good opponents, Fury and Ortiz, but only beat one legitimate uh, legitimate guy, Ortiz. Joshua, in less fights, in my opinion, beat much better competition. Klitschko, Bavetkin and Parker were all arguably better wins than Wilder has on his resume.
1: Okay, so he accuses me of being biased, yet is incredibly biased himself. So I, I always enjoy that start point when... My objectivity is questioned by someone who refuses well, to be objective. You, all right, but, oh, so on, you on, could on, argue
2: that he's taken the other side. To no, try no,
1: and so let me address this one by one. Right, so, okay. which
2: names did he say make Joshua's CV? Uh, let me get back to it. Parker, Klitschko, and Pervetkin.
1: Another guy just told me that I mean was upset that I called Parker world class a second ago. So I, I can't win in this game, can I? I mean, Parker
2: okay. is so, not world class. Okay. Let's just get that. Okay. Let's put that on fine. the record now. Fine. Parker has okay. lost. So should have lost to Ruiz and should have lost to Fury. Is a dog shit fighter as far cool. as I'm concerned. Okay. I know you don't agree with that necessarily, but I okay. I, I don't see a a future him in the sport. Okay, fine right?
1: And th- now we've got a granddad who just had a fucking, like I said last time, a gap year saving sea turtles and barley, and then came, literally came with the fucking love bees round his neck to just jump in and fight Joshua. I don't even think he had a training camp for that fight. H- who? Klitschko.
2: <laughs> Come on.
1: And Klitschko's <laughs> 95 years old, took him five rounds to get warmed up in that fight, and just as he gets warmed up, he runs out of gas, because he hadn't done anything in camp. No... Yo, know, he, he hadn't done anything in camp, and that's why they, that's why that that all that nonsense happened. Why why do you think they said no tune up fight? Why didn't he get a tune up fight? Why didn't he get a tune up fight Who against a Christian no Hammer? No tune up well, fight. Well, look, if I'm managing Klitschko and I'm like, you haven't boxed for eighteen months, I'm
2: putting you in a tune up fight.
1: Yeah, that's exactly what I'm doing, mate.
2: Here's a tune up, fight. and you're fight. extrapolating from that that someone that- dropped the ball. So, what well, Matt said he couldn't have one.
1: I don't imagine. Well, I don't imagine they said may have a tune-up fight. Yeah, well, they wouldn't. They wouldn't say, but they why? They... Why wouldn't they? Well, no, they, no, why wouldn't they? What they? Well, they wouldn't say it because they're not managing. No, 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 no. Why wouldn't they? Because they don't want oh. him to have that advantage. There you go. Yeah, but I... no, 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 no. Just be honest. They'd... Yeah, of yeah. course they would. But how can they? No, no. But what's the right thing? No, case? No, hold on. But what's the right thing to do if you really want to cement Joshua's legacy? You go, Vlad. Have a warm-up fight. Maybe Christian Hammer, maybe Tom Schwartz, maybe even Dimitrenko. Have one of these guys that's ranked. Your tune-up fight. You stop him, you fight Joshua. Because now, there's no excuses. It's like, you know, you saw what he did against Dimitrenko. Now look what Joshua did to him. It legitimizes it. But when someone's been on the shelf for 18 months, has been jerked around by fury over a rematch, essentially became a dad, was hiding from Shannon Briggs, rescuing sea turtles and porpoises in Bali, living in a house with sticks above the ocean. Come on, man. And you go and fight Joshua, who's done nothing but fight and stay humble and stay hungry. Come on, man. So... Let, let, let's, let's for the record, no.
2: I don't buy this Klitschko argument okay, at
1: all. Okay, so let's just... What, okay, what, a, a man in his 40s who's been out for 18 months is somehow... You, you get better by doing nothing, do you? Explain that to me. Well, okay. No, 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 explain that Explain to me. what would you want me to explain. How do you get better by doing nothing for 18 months
2: <laughs> in your 40s? Hold on, that's not the argument you were making. You yes, were, it is. I just said to you, no, he had a fucking gap You were here. making the point no, that no, Matchroom no, no. dictated that he couldn't no, have a tune no, fight. no, no, no go back
1: to the logic i said this guy's been on the shelf for 18 months fucking around doing whatever he's doing living life yeah so when he signs this deal no one had the tune where was the tune-up fight you've been out for 18 months where's the tune-up fight fury had two tune-up fights before he fought wilder so where was the tune-up fight i haven't seen that before the only time you do that it's an old don king tactic they did it with larry holmes for mike tyson they dug him out the graveyard and said, "Mate, fight Mike Tyson. No tune ups."
2: I just think it's it feels too. It feels, it feels too, too
1: retconned. True. It's true. Nah. It... Explain to me who gets better being off the shelf for eighteen months. You ain't even had a tune up. How? Explain to me how that works.
2: Okay, so you got um, no, 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 no. Answer the question for the for the fans. They, they, they obviously... I never made the point no, that no, it would get no. better by not having so, a thing. So, But so, you, the no, original no. point I took, uh, uh that took humbridge with was the fact that you said that you suggested that matchroom would have dictated that Klitschko couldn't have a tune-up Why didn't fight? they? No, no.
1: Would, to be fair, we don't know what gets negotiated in contracts. No, we don't. But, but someone has dropped the ball and said there can't be a tune-up here. If it's on Klitschko's side, then they set him up to get beat. If it's on Joshua's side, they opened the door for people to criticise the win. Without that tune up fight, we don't know how good Vlad was.
0: I,
2: again, I don't have a great deal of sympathy. If you're Klitschko at that stage of your life and career and you don't know that you need a tune up fight, you lost. You lost. Unless, you lost. The
1: money, well, unless the money was so good. And they're like, listen, don't take the tune up fight. Look how much we're going to give you. You're getting more than Josh was getting. Maybe that's what happened.
2: It would have taken a lot of acting afterwards because he still still seemed he wanted to continue afterwards for a little bit. And then he decided, actually, I'm going to quit. We're seeing the same acting with Joshua now. Where Joshua's acting
1: like he's still happy-go-lucky. My man, you just had your ass beaten by a little fat man. (sighs) And he's still, everyone's still acting. That's what this game's about. Protect the money at all costs. So Vlad is not a legit win for me because we couldn't benchmark Vladimir after he lost to Fury. Right For that reason alone, I don't want to hear any triangulations. I don't want to hear anything. No, we couldn't benchmark him after that Fury loss, right? We could not benchmark him. So he's out the question. Was he
2: world-class when he lost to Fury?
1: Yeah, the belts, of course he was. So I don't know what the diminution of value is of 18 months of inactivity in your 40s. It doesn't seem to work for anyone else. It did nothing for Larry Holmes, that's for sure. So I'm trying to understand how you get better by being out the ring for 18 months. Because you remember when they were trying to sell the fight and they were like, yeah, yeah, the time off has probably done Vlad the world of good. But then you're like, but Fury's had the time off. Ah, that inactivity is going to cost Fury, isn't it? Best years of his life. You you don't get better by being inactive. There were two separate arguments for two different fighters, both with the same time on the shelf.
2: Okay, so that, in your opinion, takes care of the Klitschko argument.
1: Povetkin's light work, Povetkin. Once they took him off the peds, he just wasn't the same guy. Once he came off the peds, and remember, Wilder was going to fight him when he was on the steroids, twice. Wilder suing him. I don't know if that's been resolved yet. Wilder sued him and said, mate, I wanted to fight you. And you were taking drugs. So... When people say that Joshua's got this amazing CV, no. And then you want to mention Takam. Takam was Hay's sparring partner. And David Hay slapped that guy from one side of the ring to the other. There I are videos think, of it. Has
2: anyone mentioned Takam?
1: No. There are videos of it. Molina. We know what happened. Molina's dog shit, and he proved that. Now we've got Brazil. Ugh,
2: come on. No.
1: Charles Martin. Come on. Yeah. We're struggling to find these wins for Joshua. And he's at the stage in his career now where he should have that seminal fight of someone who's in his peer group.
2: Okay. Yeah? Oh. Now,
1: now let's go to the Wilder argument. Yeah. Why did Joshua get his ass beat last week? He didn't have the nous. He hadn't made all of these mistakes in the shadows because he's been manufactured to be a world champion. People say Wilder well, four bums all the way up. Okay. Sure, bloody right. He fought one of my, one of my, a friend of a friend. Uh, Shout out to Greg Hackett over in Philadelphia. But he, I mean, a friend of a friend who was really a blown up light heavyweight, but that guy posed different problems. He posed the Andy Ruiz problems. What are you going to do when someone wants to come and fight on the inside? Yeah, the guy wasn't the greatest and you can say, oh, he was a bum, but at least Wilder got to solve that problem away from the limelight. So all those 30 something fights, were legitimate learning fights where you make all of your mistakes because when you're on the world level you don't want to get exposed like Joshua did for the most basic of things Joshua would have been better off having had a far greater number of fights before winning the world title I understand why they went for it because when the window opens you've got to jump but he didn't have that. And this word I keep using. He didn't have that seasoning that Wilder's got.
2: I We're, don't. I don't want to conflate the arguments, though. You've said when you said Wilder had thirty legitimate fights. You're not arguing that all of Joshua's fights have been illegitimate, are you?
1: No, no. I'm saying. I'm saying Joshua should have had more of those kind of skeletonish fights. He should have had more of those Takam fights before he won the title because he would have made all of his mistakes before he got the belt. You see that's what Surely it's about he
2: learned from fights like klitschko
1: though you can't learn from a fight like klitschko no because you're fighting someone who knows so much more than you do so sure that's you, a good you're, way no no you're you're toughing it out you're gritting it out yeah you, you, you all you want to do at world level is you want to execute and may the best man win this myth that you should be learning on the job is bullshit you shouldn't be you should be off in the on, on the, as I call it, the chittling circuit. You should be going here, there, and everywhere, fighting this guy that's had 50-odd bouts, fighting that guy that's had 30-odd bouts, and they should be posing you different questions.
2: 30-odd those Those 30-odd bouts being what? It doesn't even Losses.
1: matter. It doesn't matter, because if a guy can go 30 bouts as a actually someone out there can do this to me there's a heavyweight journeyman who's recently retired a few years ago and he's got something like 44 losses and no stoppages he wasn't stopped once as a journeyman and he has been in with everybody who, and then you don't know who's i is. can't remember his name but he, he's one of these guys that you're like how have you not been stopped
2: when you and, say he's been in with everybody i take it it's not joshua or Wilder, no 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 he's, he's, from, he's
1: from before that era right so, uh, but my point is, there are guys out there that can do the rounds with you. There are guys out there that will ask questions of you that you're happy that you solve when there's no belt on the line.
2: Yeah? Go, so would you argue, therefore, that Ortiz is a much more valuable name to have on your record than... than anything
1: than... on Joshua's, absolutely. That, that, the, the, look, at, look at Wilder's run. This is what it's p- potentially looking like. We said this before. So, Ortiz Fury
2: yeah brazil
1: ortiz fury that five fight run is something joshua would never do like physically he couldn't i don't think he could do it physically in terms of putting his body through the sort of camps he'd have to do for that i don't think he can so when people say i'm biased against no i i respect wilder's record because wilder's record mirrors that of the greats where how many how many fights did Tyson have before he won his world title? 20-something, maybe in the low 30s? I'm going to say, let's say about 27 that Tyson probably had before he fought for a world title. How many did Larry Holmes have before he fought for a world title? Probably a similar number. When you look at the old veterans, like the guys who really knew their craft as heavyweights, they all had a large number of fights before they fought for a world title. And there's a reason why. You don't want to make mistakes as a heavyweight when the pressure's on because the guys you're facing are too good to let that slide.
2: I want to address just slightly. I mean, this is more of a a lashing out, so to speak, but I still want you to, uh, George Watts got in touch and on uh, one of the, uh, comments was Terry breaks the fight down really well on a technical level. It's just a shame that his hatred and weird obsession of anything Matroom slash Joshua slash Hearn just makes him sound <laughs> makes him sound quite pathetic and overshadows the good stuff he says about the actual fight.
1: I don't know how it can be pathetic and sound again have good stuff as well. Come on, man. I it think be I think
2: real. okay, maybe maybe the best it, it detracts from Why? what he calls really. Uh, uh, the fact that you break fights down from a technical level really well.
1: I break everything down but really
2: well. But would you agree that you have a hatred or a weird obsession with Matroom, Joshua well, or Hearn? I
1: frankly don't care. What I don't like is bullshit. That's what I don't like. If if Troom's thing was, do you know what? We're going to discuss Fitzgerald versus Ted Cheeseman at the Copper Box, tickets of 40 quid, 100 quid, 200 quid. I'd have no issue with that. Here's where I have an issue. When you start to tell me certain fighters are world-class... I get annoyed. When you tell me Lawrence Cicoli is going to fight Lebedev in July and it doesn't happen. And not only does it not happen, you haven't even tried to make the fight. That's when I call bullshit. Right? And he says I sound pathetic, but what he forgets is I hear things. Once I finish recording this podcast, I go and I hear things. So I hear what matchroom are actually doing. Yeah? Through contacts
2: you have in boxing
1: through people signed to matchroom and through people that work for matchroom because you think they're all happy no they're not happy so they know a guy like me will come on and they go Yo, if, I, if i if i throw terry a few crumbs i know he can make he can figure the rest of it out i'm like, fair enough you know it's a symbiotic relationship so when he says i have a hatred for matchroom no i don't a lot of the stuff you hear me say about matchroom is is what people on the matchroom payroll are saying themselves that's the reality of it. There's only so off, so many times you can bullshit people before you go, mate, none of the stuff you're saying comes to pass. Why? Why is it that you talk about so many fights potentially and then you tell us you've got a billion dollars of DAZN money, yet these fights can't seem to happen. Why? I don't understand that. Then you go and disrespect guys like Al Heyman, she- Shelly Finkel, Bob Aram frank warren dennis hobson all guys who have helped make the boxing market we see today happen so i don't like that because you're not even respecting your elders these are guys that phone your dad not you to do business and you're disrespecting them so when you say to me i'm pathetic isn't that pathetic isn't it pathetic to disrespect a man in his 80s in fact, two men in their 80s. I, Shelly Finger must be in his 80s now. These are old men and you're disrespecting them. They probably used to come to dinner at your house and sit down with Barry, eating that, that beef Wellington your mum used to cook. Do you know what I mean? And you're saying that what I'm saying is pathetic. No, but I understand where he's coming from because he doesn't see what I see. He doesn't see boxers like Chris Congo lose their fight and then go, how am I going to eat? He doesn't see that. He doesn't see guys like Isaac Chamberlain training like a Trojan and not getting his breaks. He doesn't see that. He doesn't see Lawrence Socoli training his nuts off. He wants that Lebedev fight. The Lebedev fight doesn't happen. He does not see that. So until he sees that, he's going to have that view of I'm being anti-Matchroom. This is what I'll say to you. Matchroom is fucking up people's money. People are trying to eat out here and Matchroom are fucking their money up. Now someone's going to come back and go. You never say the same about Frank. Yes, I do. But I also know when to praise Frank too, just like I know when to praise Hearn. If you guys want me to be more measured about Matchroom, call them out on their bullshit. Because if you guys do it, I won't have to do it.
2: Okay. Finally, on this Joshua stuff, because we've spent a lot of time on it, but I wanted as a, as a I wanted to call you out on a few things that people have brought up. That's all it was. Um, Aaron got in touch. Double A, what up? Yeah, I, uh, I I like the podcast, but Jesus, first it's AJ's Indeed I fault. Am. first it's AJ's fault, then it's Eddie's, then McCrackens, then basically the zone and Matchroom and Sky all are all gonna go bust just because Joshua lost.
1: Nah, I didn't say that. I said they're in improb- I said they I said they're in trouble. I said their revenue projections all change now.
2: He he says, I think it's been all very dramatic maybe just maybe AJ just had a bad night and he could quite possibly take the rematch and win.
1: That's a valid point. So AJ could take the rematch and win, absolutely. But don't invalidate everything else. Don't invalidate the fact that Matchroom will do the annual projections and they will start with how many times is AJ going to fight? What do we think that's going to do for in terms of revenue? And they'll have a number, right? Ruiz two was not the fight they hoped for. It might do amazing numbers in fact. It's not the fight they're hopeful. for. If he loses again, their 2020 budget has a massive hole in it. The same with Zone, Same with Sky. There's a massive hole in that budget if Joshua loses again. That's not boxing. That's just business. When your prize asset no longer generates revenue, you have to go back on everything. Where can we cut costs? All these guys that we were going to push through, like Lawrence and Joshua said we need to rebase what fights we can get them. You know, Clarissa Shields, will she ever fight on a Joshua undercard? It doesn't look like it now. You know, all of these things become a factor. So once again, I understand where he's coming from, but he's looking at it from such a narrow view, whereas you've got to look at it from what's, what's the meeting on Monday morning. That's why I said last week, John Skip will be the most interesting guy for the next few weeks because he's there going... Joshua's fought twice on our platform and has done nothing, nothing to elevate our platform. Why are we paying all this money
2: for him? Um, he, in his first tweet, he said, first it's AJ's fault, then it's Eddie's, then it's McCracken's. Who, who would you highlight as potentially, is, is it, was it a group effort that made this, that it's a contributed collective this screw win?
1: Up. It's a collective screw up. Because any one of those guys at any point could have gone, Yo, this ain't right. If Joshua did get knocked out in sparring, then someone in that, anyone in that group could have said this fight isn't happening, right? If it turns out Joshua was ill, anyone could have pulled the trigger on that. So we're not going to know for a long time until the leaks start to happen. We're not going to know what really happened. What we do know is that guy we saw on Saturday wasn't the guy we were used to seeing. And we're hoping that's not the new normal because that would be incredibly worrying.
2: Okay, uh, I want to move on then from the. Oh, actually, I know I've got one more question, and that is from Tartan Mierbold. (laughs) You know, I once saw
1: Tartan Mierbold, and he used to. He was in Riverdance for a few
2: years. Oh, really? He was, yeah. Was he was he a body double for Michael Flatley?
1: No, no, no. He in his own right, man. He could do his thing. So, (laughs) because Mierbold is an old, it's an old Gaelic name. I think it is. It means he of hefty
2: belly. Right, anyway, so Time Meabold says, um, Hearn said on the BBC podcast, that's the BBC boxing podcast, I presume, um, that he has been debating moving his family to the US. Given this and varying factors of the product, can you foresee his Sky contract being renewed for next year? If not, what happens to it? So we've
1: seen a schism form between Matchroom and Sky. So Eddie Hearn's interviews and Adam Smith's interviews haven't lined up, which is rare because normally they line up pretty well in terms of the key messages. So Eddie's definitely like the, we want the rematch. We'll get Josh right. Yeah, yeah. Adam Smith's just like, he's in a bad place. God, God help us, you know. So you can see there's that schism, but we've been talking about this brewing divide for a while. And I'm interested to know where the contracts actually sit. Are people signed to Sky? Are they signed to Matchroom? If so, what's going to happen? I, I, I just don't think Sky need a promoter exclusively anymore. I think in terms of the UK, they've got the platform. We we generally accept that. They've got the main platform. They could easily have a panel of promoters. Does Zone do it now. So does Zone have Hearn, De La Hoya and Loffler
2: representing K2 as their main guys. And How does that work then? They just put on the f- shows they want to put on?
1: Yeah. And actually, I'm sure they'll get to a point where they start arguing and fighting over dates. But yeah, they that's what they do. And so, why wouldn't Sky do that? And people say, well, who would they get? Uh, the, if it was me, to be honest with you, I would have, I'd say to Matchroom, you can be involved, but you're a subsidiary promoter. I'd have David Hay involved. I'd say, look, yeah, let's make this Haymaker thing happen properly. That's what I would be my primary thing. I just think David's a better overall salesman than Eddie. And I think David's got that credibility as an ex-world champion, much in the same way De La Hoya has, you know, that fans will gravitate towards him. And then I'd have a windy old head like Dennis Hobson. I just And people go, oh, he goes shouting out his mates again you're out your pals. Nah, but here's the thing with Dennis. Like Dennis is in the, he's at the IBF convention now in Macau. That tells you how respected Dennis Hobson is in the world of boxing. You're at the IBF convention, which means you're there to make things happen.
2: In Macau?
1: Yeah. They pick random locations to have them.
2: <laughs> yeah. I'm hoping Dennis
1: invites me next year. I really want to go to one of these conventions. But Dennis Hobson's out there. And so, if you've got that sort of pull with the IBF, why wouldn't Sky want to work with you? You don't know what that deal would look like, but I'd have Dennis there. And here, to any boxers that are listening, if you need an experienced, savvy, and pretty damn good manager, give Dennis Hobson a call, man. I've, I've sat with a lot of boxing people in my time. I don't think I've met someone that's blown me away in a boxing sense quite like Dennis has. I just think... The man's got enough independent wealth. All he wants to do is help people become champions now, and that's all he cares about. And so that's his excitement. He's not going to shaft you. He doesn't need to. Just get if you honestly, if you're if you're talented and you back yourself, just hitch your wagon to Dennis Hobson. That's a free tip. Normally, I charge for those sorts of tips.
2: Speaking of tips, uh, the second question: What is the best porn you've ever seen?
1: Um, wow. So, I could let me say, I'll
2: measure it by porn
1: stars I've actually met in person.
2: Oh, right, okay, that's a. So, so I, mean, I was on
1: that... I was on holiday once, and I met. There's a lady called Samantha Mack. You'll find her on Pornhub. She's I think, only because I know her personally. <laughs> she's one of my favourite actresses.
2: What? I don't know if that's
1: a good thing or not. I love Samantha Mack. Like, genuinely love Samantha Mack. I think she's Canadian originally, but yeah, we met. We How just... did you meet a porn star? Well. They're human beings too. They go on holiday.
2: Right, I get that. But did you, did you, did you, were you aware that she's a porn star when you saw her? No, like, no, 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 no. So literally out. Hi, my name's Sam. And I'm a porn star. A,
1: yeah, no, no. A group of women dressed up. I thought they were on a Hindu, right? But it's how they normally dress. So I'm like, what? So we get talking and she's like, I'm an adult, I'm in adult films. And you know, typical me, I'm like, nah, bollocks. And she's like, you know, you can Google me. So I Googled it and I was like, hmm. Hmm.
2: All right, let's have a look at this.
1: Excuse me. <coughs> so now everyone's going to be googling Samantha Mac. You actually recording or not?
2: Yeah, of course I'm recording still. But then continue. Yeah. Bit. So the best- So
1: met met her on holiday. I was on holiday with some mates. Just met. A cool person. Nothing happened. Just for the record, well, you know.
2: But it's, it'd be a
1: bit weird. Busman's
2: holiday, really. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then who else have I? So Samantha Mack... There was a girl from Barnsley. I'm not going to drop her name because Danny Watley's from Barnsley. He might know her. She <laughs> is a big woman. Mate, they're the ones making all the money in porn though. She's
2: a BBW, isn't she?
1: I don't, I, I don't, She. she's on the border.
2: Okay, interesting.
1: Yeah, so there's one, there was one. Where did from... you meet her? Hey.
2: Tenerife, you say? <laughs> no, I didn't say Tenerife. Oh, okay, know. I can't remember what you said.
1: Not in the States. This is this is a fair old while ago, is that what was this while ago? and then she's got
2: a colourful back catalogue, so I'd say,
1: <laughs> mate, the shit you learn. Then there was there was one from Barnsley, but she's now a nail technician in Barnsley, so that's all I'm gonna say. Danny Watley is just patrolled the streets looking, and then the last one who we met in Ibiza was a I don't even know where the
2: fuck she, I think she's from, London or Essex. One called Harmony Reigns. So I just mentioned Tenerife. You went, no, not Tenerife. And then you actually met one in our ether. Yeah, maybe.
1: <laughs> but because I never believe it. Like, you know, it's the same way, like women will tell you they're models, right? But it's only because they do photo shoots and post them on Instagram. They're not actually paid to model. So I'm like, you're not a porn star if you're not paid to do porn. <laughs> you uploading your sex tapes does not count as a porn star. So I'm like, no, as long as you earn a living from it, now it's all good.
2: But nah, man. As long as there's a camera in the room when you're... Hey, colourful history. Like, you'll be surprised. Like my smart him. body for sex.
1: No, but so in terms of the sex industry, you'll be surprised at who you meet. Like I can remember training a group of people. Just boxing training. And so that one of them was a transsexual and made a fuckload of money servicing American businessmen. Had a flat paid for and all sorts. Like proper... Uh, this is just by the Albert Embankment, if you know where that is in London. So whenever you hear about MPs getting caught up in like rent boy scandals or transsexual scandals, it happens on that stretch of the river between there and the hotel where David Hay
2: stays. (laughs) Such random detail in some of your stories. Okay, that was a a massive digression, but nevertheless, it was an important question that tied me a I I
1: do fuck with Samantha Mack though. Like it just as a person.
2: Okay. I wish
1: more women were like Samantha Mack.
2: Uh, Zab Judah has ended up in hospital with an apparent blood clot after fighting Friday. His 54th fight. 41 years old, fighting a guy with twenty-one, uh, 20 knockouts in 25 fights. Was this an avoidable incident? Where does the fault lie?
1: Whoever sanctioned that bout, Zab Judah had him boxed for about two years, if I remember correctly. And even then, like he had had a four-year hiatus. Like, Zab hasn't been relevant for a long time. I think after that... After that Costa Zoo knockout, you're like, oh, whatever. But these guys just hang on. It's all they know. It's sad to see. My my thing has always been, when you're licensed to box, there should be a set number of bouts. I don't think you should ever be able to box more than 35 times. And after that, your license should be revoked for every possible combat sport. You know, after 35 boxing bouts, you should just be done. What would that do? It will stop a lot of this filler that we get career-wise so you don't need you'd, you'd have to treat each bout like like it meant something
2: okay hold on you said after how many fights 35 but you said earlier that Wilder had, had 30 fights to learn yeah
1: so, because well because he's allowed to right you work within your parameters so if you've got 35 bouts you just make you, your learning you, process you more efficient you also
2: commended that that's what Joshua should have done
1: no no i didn't say he should have had 30 bouts i said he should have had more learning fights before he fought for a world
2: title but you stick with 35 should be the maximum yeah. fights you should be allowed to have.
1: Yeah. But then also remember what I said before, and I've said this on another podcast. I don't think you should turn over as a pro until you've had at least 40 amateur belts. So, so by that time you'd have fought 75 times. Do you, do you see what I mean? So the okay. numbers, it's a reasonable length of time to be getting your head punched in. Right. Okay.
2: And even though I said that we would, we had uh, no more questions about, AJ and whatnot. That was clearly a lie because I have another one. From uh, Dan Glossier. VIP. Indeed he is. Uh, hello lads. Coming in hot with a late question for the next pod. Ah. Um, following the video of AJ in his corner at the end of the 6th muttering, why am I feeling like this? It got me thinking. Is this the first indication of his body not being able to handle the rigors, uh, rigorous collisions and impact of legitimate combination puncher due to his bodybuilder physique as Terry has attested in the past seems very suspect that he was suffering that much early on
1: yeah um he was he looked like he was suffering like from like round two onwards everything looked off and i and i can't explain it outside of something's happened so and for anyone that's boxed or done any kind of combat or contact sport you will know what it's like to get concussed and properly concussed. Like It's happened to me where I've just been sick. I don't even know why I've been sick, but I've just been sick. And you're not right for ages afterwards. You're just not right. So I, it could have been that he was asking McCracken why he feels like that because he's never had that before. It could be an effect of one of the punches. It could be something else. You know, I've heard people say it's hear me once Vada catches up with you, that's what happens to you. I don't know. It was distressing to hear because at that point there, do you pull your fighter out, leave him to fight another day? It doesn't feel very safe to me. But in the other issues in terms of physical capability and his bodybuilder physique, you just build up a massive oxygen debt carrying that much muscle. And my question is still, what does that muscle do for him? Because I don't think he punches any harder at 240-odd pounds than he did at 230-something pounds. Do you see what I mean? I don't see that there's any additional benefit. So those scientists and the brains trust at Sheffield are clearly getting something wrong because Joshua's nowhere near a 12-round fighter. Perhaps he should trade with Jim McDonnell. He seems to be able to solve that.
2: Okay, for those of you who have had enough of the Joshua stuff, we are finished and we're moving on to Triple G versus Steve Rolls. And my question is, who is Steve Rolls?
1: I don't know, apart from that he's promoted by Lou DiBella. And by some
2: freak of nature, this guy's ranked somewhere in the governing body. It sounds like a guy that's like the guy who founded Greggs or something. Like, clearly he's not called Greg. But, like, Steve he could be. Rolls <laughs> decided he was going to do something. Nominative determinism had... Structured what he wanted to do with his life. I want to make a role company. And then we went on to Cakes and Bakes. Um, sounds unlikely, but it sounds also as like unlikely that he'll be fighting Triple G. What's Steve Rolls doing this weekend? Is he A, playing for England, B, fighting Triple G, or C, working in a building site? I imagine most people go for option C. So what? why is he fighting Golovkin? <laughs> mate he's he's a body right but he's what is what Golovkin got to achieve of the rest of his career now um I think he he
1: probably wants one more crack at unifying the belt so he'll probably want to fight Andrade and then fight Canelo in a trilogy I think that's really what's what's in him now so let, let, let's set the context so we discussed before how Golovkin has split with Abel Sanchez and is now with Jonathan Banks and Jonathan Banks best known for being understudy to Emmanuel Stewart, and then training Vladimir Klitschko after Steward passed away. So that's what Jonathan Banks is really known for. He fought a couple of times as heavyweight, but wasn't really set the world alight. So Golovkin now changes camp. Um, so this is the first fight working with a new trainer. So in those situations, it's always going to be a low risk affair. So Steve Rolls, I think, what is he now? I think he was undefeated before he fought Golovkin. I might be wrong on that. He probably had a defeat. But he was just your standard... What He'd be like, in British terms, like a Liam Williams is where I'd kind of pitch him. He's like a Liam Williams type character in terms of record and status. And I don't think if he's had any interesting opponents. He fought Norbert Sisekis, who... I think Anthony Yard fought and Dan Zaxo definitely fought. So there's a common opponent for us to benchmark him against. So he's not just a guy that can kind of box, but Golovkin did him in four rounds with an absolute peach of a left hook. He had enough about him that he was going to make Golovkin think, but I just don't think Steve Rolls is at the level that you're going to give Golovkin challenges. And it tells us nothing, absolutely nothing, about how a third fight with Canelo would go is my honest view. But it was nice to see Golovkin back, and you can see what, what Jonathan Banks is trying to do. There's a little bit more head movement. There's a bit more intelligence with where he's placing his feet. And the way he stopped him, actually, And Golovkin's done it before, but he, he shifts when he throws his right hand. So he goes from standing in an orthodox stance to finishing up in a southpaw stance, and then just detonates a left hook from hell which completely just wipes out Steve Rolls. And give Steve Rolls credit. A lot of guys would have stayed down, but he tried to get up, just couldn't beat the 10 count. Um, What what happens now? Um, Golovkin's 37. So I think he's probably only got three good fights in him. So one of them will be Andre to try and take that belt. And then I think you only have two options. And one of them's got to be Billy Joe Saunders and one's got to be Canelo. And then after that, if you are Golovkin, you retire. Whatever the outcomes of those are, because then you've kind of tackled most of the main people of your era.
2: Has he will he bother fighting Billy Joe? Yeah, I think so. Really? Because I mean, he'd still, like to see
1: it. That's still the unanswered question. What would Golovkin have done against Billy Joe? Oh,
2: is it though? Maybe yeah. for Billy Joe, maybe not for Golovkin.
1: But but interesting trivia, right? Ages ago on this podcast, we talked about a young kid called Steed Woodall, and Steed Woodall was in the same amateur team for England as Ted Cheeseman. So he came up in that kind of era from the 2013 onwards. And he fought Steve Rolls and he lost. So if you wanted a British connection to Steve Rolls, it was Steed Woodall. If anyone knows what Steed Woodall's doing now, be interested in know, I know he's back in the UK, but I have no idea if he's still boxing or not. Um,
2: Oscar Valdez versus Jason Sanchez.
1: I love Oscar Valdez after that pacing he gave to Scott Quigg. So big fan of his, really highly decorated amateur, super skillful, just beat the lad up. Like I love watching him because he's with the Reynosos now. So he's out of the same camp as Canelo. And you can see the punching powers coming through and he's making better decisions. He's got this really strange punch where he goes from a jab into this sweeping left hook. And if I told you someone's going to throw a really long sweeping left hook, you'd think you could, you think you'd confidently block it. But he seems to be able to connect, and it's how he dropped. San, is it Sanchez? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He dropped Sanchez with his left hook, literally after the bell. Threw a jab, threw that left hook, dropped him. And I'm like, how do people fall for this punch? But I guess it's 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 credit to the way he disguises it, and it's back to that we talked about this last week. It's that Latin American style, which is the lead hand is the main weapon in contrast to how we're taught in Britain where the backhand is the main weapon. There's so much I liked about Oscar Valdez. I like how he he uses a combination to open you up and then when he needs to bring order to proceedings, he'll just throw an uppercut up the middle. You know, Whereas in England, we'd be looking to throw a straight, right? He'll just throw an uppercut, he knows that you can't see the punch and it'll have maximum effect. So I'm excited for him at 126. He'll probably get the winner of someone like a Warrington v. Galahad. You know, the Frampton fight's there for him. He's got big fights coming up. So, no, by all means, man, everyone should watch Oscar Valdez. I think he's, he's the archetype of a reasonably, well, actually a really entertaining boxer to watch.
2: So this weekend, uh, well, next weekend rather, Fury is fighting Schwartz.
1: Oh, yeah, the fight we've all been waiting for but don't really care about.
2: do you know what if anything I realise that Joshua losing was probably cheered in the Fury camp regardless or those supporting Fury but it's probably done wonders to boost this fight because now Fury can go on interviews and say I can't underestimate Tom Schwartz he could knock me down he's a heavyweight fighter just like me he's just as dangerous as when Joshua fought Ruiz you know that sort of thing. Oh, please no. But no. but he will and I believe I saw um well, in fact I didn't even watch it, but I, I I saw um a link the other day to a to an interview where he's pretty much said exactly that. So, what do we think to this? Is this does this have any danger attached to it for Tyson Fury?
1: Well, well the danger is there's no bloody undercard. Who's on
2: the undercard? Um at the no. moment you're not asking me that question, sure. No,
1: no, no, it's rhetorical. So we've got Sullivan Barrera, we've got Michaela Mayer. I really like Michaela Mayer. Um, interesting trivia: she's the one that gave Ronda Rousey the hiding and sparring before Holly Holm did, did the rest. So yeah, so they got her into camp, and she apparently battered Ronda Rousey.
2: Don't matter. She's in WWE now. Love you. you know, I
1: love her in the WWE. Really? Yeah, yeah. That's perfect for her now because she's still got that kind of that edge as queen of the armbar, but now she can act a bit with it. So it's all good. So no, so we don't know what the undercard really is. It can't just be a three fight card. Well, maybe if it is, so be it, man. Let's just get through this. I don't think this is a banana skin. Schwartz is a big lump, but he's a guy that can be kept on the end of the jab. I'd like to see a nastier version of Fury than we've seen before. So I want to see a guy peppering the combinations, Sitting down with some of his shots, really putting—I'd like to see him stop Tom Schwartz. Like that—that's the statement we need, because then, then we then that the story of the big three gets interesting. Because Wilder did his job, Joshua didn't, but he still remains interesting, and Fury would have done his job and remained interesting. So we'll still be clamoring for stuff to happen further down the line, if if Schwartz were to win or to do some kind of, like, any mortal damage, oh God, God help
2: us. Does Do you feel that Fury having a fight like Schwartz bodes well for the, the Wilder rematch for Fury? Because he had his two quote-unquote tune-up fights before Wilder were against some pretty mediocre opponents.
1: Yeah, Safari Safari and someone else, man. But, but I I...
2: Does it give, does it allow Fury any more, uh, any better preparation than he had prior to this first fight with Wilder?
1: Well, yeah, more pressure. So there's definitely more pressure on him now. And so he's going to have to cope with that. But I think the key thing with Fury is we just want to see him stop people now. That's where we're at with the heavyweights now. We want to see
2: people get stopped. Wouldn't he have done that by now? I mean I realise he has stopped some people like he stopped uh, Chizora, didn't he but that was yeah. not that was mainly through just wear and tear rather than well it Beep, wasn't through knocking within an
1: inch of his life
2: yeah but can does he have the does he have the power to knock people out because we but haven't sometimes seen sometimes it's not
1: a power thing sometimes it's just can you catch that uppercut at that moment where you got Schwartz overextending Fury should be able to do that I, I think he just needs to be a bit more willing to take risks in this fight.
2: Could we see could we see um a performance from him that is an answer to the reasons that he got knocked down against Wilder? Well what I mean to say there is that like like you just said about him taking those chances, maybe maybe he thinks to himself, right? My style means that I'm gonna get caught with things like Wilder occasionally. I need to try and be making those shots first, taking those opportunities before people like Wilder are going to hit him. Do you see what I mean? Or yeah. maybe he feels that the mere fact that he was caught means that he needs to take more risks so that he could put his hat in the ring for a potential knockout it's, it's, as well.
1: It's, it's that old football adage, isn't it? You need to score when you're on top. Now, like When you're dominating proceedings, you need to score. Yeah. So when Fury's really got it on someone, he really needs to end the fight. That's what he
2: should be trying to do now. If he's basically, I guess, what I'm getting to is, if if he's going to be, if he's, now he has been shown to be vulnerable to a powerful punch that can knock him down, albeit that he got back up again and got the draw, fair enough. But he go, he can be put down. Now maybe he thinks to himself, okay, now I need to have that in my locker as well.
1: Uh, well, you'd have thought the Steve Cunningham fight would have done that for him, but.
2: That was a long time ago there, wasn't it? And since then, he's been able to get to the end of fights or wear someone down.
1: Yeah, I just, you know, I think boxing is a sport you should keep simple. Don't be in there any longer than you need to. That's all.
2: Has so he got it? Has Fury got that ability?
1: Yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a six foot nine, eighteen 18 stone man. Like, he should be able to ice people when he hits them.
2: Khan versus Goyat on the June,
1: uh, June the 24th. Yeah, weird one. So, this fight's happening in Jeddah in Saudi Arabia. I think it's happening at the same spot that had the World Boxing Super Series oh, fight. Brilliant. So, India versus Pakistan, Khan versus God knows who. Um, and actually, Prince Patel's on the undercard. So, <laughs> another step forward for Prince Patel. People, people pretend they dislike him Martin in British boxing. loves the guy. You see, but. Everyone tried to shun Prince Patel and out of his own pocket, this guy has fought himself. He's like WBO number three or something. Like, so he's going to fight for a world title in the next year to 18 months.
2: Which I would agree with.
1: All off his own back. Like the guy's just grafted. I think he's fought in Hungary like four or five times. He's fought everywhere. And so to all of those boxers who say they really want to be a world champion, and they talk a good game, learn from Prince Patel because this guy went out there and said, I will knock these doors down myself. And you have to respect it, whether you like Prince Patel or not, you have to respect
2: that. Well, I don't want to, you know, speak for Martin, but in this occasion I will, in the sense that he rates him big time. He is a massive fan of Prince Patel. I thought so. Yeah.
1: Him and Steve Goodwin are both Prince Patel fans. You're massive fans. Yeah. Massive. Always is, surprised Steve never signed him.
2: I'm, if anything, I'm understating it by saying Martin is the biggest fan around for Prince Patel. He's, he's, he's to Prince Patel What I am for He's right the, the, the second coming. He really does.
1: Yeah. So no, be, it'd be interesting because Khan, so Khan's got new trainers. So he's got rid of Virgil Hunter and he's gone back to Alex Ariza, um, who we all know as being the guy that was with Pacquiao and Pacquiao was at his most feared. So read into that what you will so he so Ariza and Khan are now working together so this is probably a good introductory fight for those two and whoever whoever the other guy they've got in there I've lost interest but fair play to Khan you know Khan was laughing last week when Joshua got knocked out and he's there saying to his wife that's the guy you wanted to have sex with that's the guy you were messaging on Snapchat look at him look at him yeah and then she
2: probably looked at him and went but it happens to you as well babe (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know what I mean? So, wow. Yeah, babe, babe remember you got iced Yeah, <laughs> by that ginger guy that I slept with as well. What? <laughs> yeah, what? Um <sighs> I just wanna uh Tartin Mierbold has also asked us for a, a Tommy Fury Love Island update.
1: Um, no idea, I don't watch Love Island.
2: Yeah, neither do I, but it happens to be that I know everything about it.
1: Well, um, yeah, yeah, we could get Michaela in.
2: And uh, yeah, he's doing well. He's doing really well in there. Uh, but I'll leave Tati Meabold to give us more. But it's interesting
1: next week. that no one seemed to know he was doing it, like on the boxing side of things. On a
2: serious, on a serious note, though, that I think that's a masterstroke for him in terms of his popularity. There will people will be clamoring to watch his fights come is next all right And if it only lasts a couple of fights but it has promoted him yeah, to an yeah and, and you
1: know what happens with these sorts of things you get all these sort of love island contestants will all come and watch the fight and they'll be be on social media and yeah. these cameras will pan on them so it's it's a no-lose scenario Because he can do what he wants because he's a trained fighter. Who's going to mess with him on Love Island? No.
2: (laughs) It's not generally Lord of the Flies or some sort of battle arena, battle royale-esque show as far as I'm aware. But (laughs) if it does end up being that, he's going to be okay. if it comes on top, he's all good. But like you said, I fully agree with the fact that he can't lose. He cannot lose here. He just put his name out there and he's getting in amongst it and he's now a household name. Yeah. Overnight, practically. Um. So And he's got that female following. Tartan Meabold will be able to update us. Uh, tartan
1: M- Meabold looks a bit like Tommy Fury. You know when he, when he lets the, the hair grow? He's got a touch of the Tommy, Tommy Fury mm. about him. If Fury just ate a fucking Cheetos and drank full fat Coke. <laughs> You've got it in for Tartan this we, week we need well he, listen i'm not here next week so he'll he'll do the same to me i'm sure
2: <laughs> um that's if he's managed to get out of his dancing training uh, yeah, his dancing tuition that he yeah. obviously doesn't have. okay we've come to that time on the podcast again where we have aob for mr japandarma ah
1: man um, so bigger so look we I'm going to leave i want to go f- to the toilet no nah, no you do, can't I'm going to do a fear nah. bold no nah, you can't do that you can monologue no nah, you can't do that you're involved in this why what have I got to do yeah you just got to be there just providing wisdom and counsel
2: no I need to do
1: no you don't you just had a shit for fuck's sake <laughs> Ah, man. Has anyone got any requests? All anyway. right. Lights again. One, two, one, two three. Ah, oh, man. Entertain you guys while... While this guy's just taking his shit, whatever it is he's doing. Hold on. So as you guys can tell, you know, there's only one one brain and one voice holding this whole thing down, you know. <laughs> there's no one here. He's probably not even recording this, so who cares? But, you know, let's touch on the important business. Biggest news in boxing. Maybe the biggest news of the year. Maybe one of my happiest moments in boxing when I got to witness John Pilata sign with Frank Warren. So, if you go back to the podcast where we talked about John's career, his first year in boxing, you know, he goes from 5-0 and no prospect, wasn't quite working out with the trainer, wasn't quite working out with the manager. You know, the the general sentiment in the game was he had blown his best chance of being a champion. But we knew better. We knew what we had with John. And we'd been working on this kind of journey for a while because we saw that no one else was prepared to do it for us. So what we did, Frank's been primed for this for a long time and it was just good that the deal got done in the end. So John will be fighting July 13th as part of probably the most interesting heavyweight card we've had in Britain for a long time. Dubois versus Gorman, Joyce versus Jennings. JP will be part of that mix. And in terms of ability and stuff, I mean, he's not amongst guys who are light years ahead of him. So I'm hoping that this is a catalyst for John to fulfill his potential. This is what he wanted. Now it's about what he does with it. But I'm so, so happy for him. I think Frank's got an uncut diamond there. And it's just about how they they push him forward. So I'm super excited.
2: Is that it? Have we got to the end of the AOB? That was
1: quick. Okay, see you next one. Oh, okay. Um, Touch on another one. You know, all the times people hated on me for what I said about Anthony Yard. Now look, the Russians are so scared of Yard that they've mysteriously lost all the money that they had for him. So now the WBO have had to go to emergency purse bids to make the Kovalev versus Yard fight. I told you guys before, Yard will fight anybody. And it's Kovalev that was doing the ducking. And this was further proof that Kovalev and his Russian backers don't want this fight. Because we know the money's there. And, like, I mean, those guys are all oligarchs, they own football clubs. Why can't they find the money for Antony Yard? Russians
2: don't have any money, mate. That's how Look, it works.
1: So, so once again, Antony Yard, the most avoided light heavyweight on the planet. It's absolutely disgraceful. You know what I mean? The man will fight anyone. So he chooses to take on the, the best light heavyweight on the planet, and Kovalev just doesn't want it, which is depressing. Is that, and he's looking at me like, is that it? And that's like, how he'll be I finished. I don't know. I don't know. Hey, listen, next time, look okay, so I'm gonna reach out to the to the wider boxing community. Ah, first of all, shouts out to Ellis Cummings, man, young man. I wonder if he's gonna yeah, yeah, He's repping the the Welsh side of things, man. He's a really, really good lad, man. Sean Earls, have some good chats with Sean Earls about boxing. So shouts out to Sean, state of mind fitness. Really knows his stuff, man. As as a as a trainer, it's harder it's hard to be in better hands. So shouts out to him, man. Shouts out to Umar Sadiq. I mean, he'll be back soon. I mean, we're all coming for titles this year. So everyone's really doing their thing. If you're in London next weekend, I think it's the Harringay Box Cup. So try and get yourselves out there if you can. If, If you want, I mean, if you're an aspiring media outlet and you want to work out who the people to interview in three or four years' time are, Go and invest some time there. Go and see the guys. Do your thing. Enjoy yourself, man. It's a it's a good day. So you've got the boxing. They normally have like a summer festival, which is all the street food, craft beer, and all that sort of stuff. Stuff that Andy likes, you know what I mean? That's right. In his little rainbow top here. So yeah, <laughs> in general, I want you to reach out to the wider universe and just say, look, anything you want me to mention that you guys feel I slip on or I miss on, hit me up, man. You all know where I am on Instagram, man. Just hit me up. Let me know, and I mean, we can we can hopefully elevate the game.
2: Uh, when you come back onto Twitter,
1: ah, uh, yeah, I'll let the streets decide. When do the streets want me back?
2: They probably, I mean, I mean there's probably uh, a collection of people that want to give you abuse. I yeah, well, ex- yeah, but you see, no, no one. But there's also a lot of people that want to interact with you when you put the po- podcast out.
1: Yeah, listen, we'll let the streets decide that, man. Does the streets really want me back? Like streets,
2: you know, I mean i need that money
1: in escrow though man i need that person escrow i need to know that you got the funds and it's all about proof of funds
2: okay is that indeed everything we have um other to mention as i will do again it's onto my favorite segment which is oh, for fuck's sake the kick-ass cards oh yeah baby Yo, i haven't even looked at mine yet so i'm literally
1: doing this cold fuck i should have memorized
2: right okay okay first one up He has 66 wins and 9 losses. And that is his face. 47 knockouts. Roy Jones. Roy Jones. Roy (laughs) Jones. Five of clubs. That one's easy. Even I know that one. And he's got like belts in his one. Ooh. Is that vladimir No, that's easy.
1: Is it fuck Welshman? no way is that calzan yeah no effing way I'm, I'm telling you they've
2: had a shocker on that one do you think Yeah, it's a shocker I thought that was obvious.
1: well, because you've got the cheat sheet, you donut
2: yeah, but I but I, I didn't register that I think he's got some massive lips, don't he? see on that one, right and Let's just give you a slightly harder one, even though you just got that one wrong, but...
1: This is, that does not look like Joe Calzaghi. <laughs>
2: right, okay. I don't fucking know who this guy is. Right, see your next one. The Seven of Diamonds. I want to say Tommy Hearns. Yeah, he's got it. I, I literally don't know who that is, so well you, done.
1: Do you know what? You've just, you've just slaughtered yourself. Yeah, you've just reaffirmed your casual reputation well that's it
2: but I did know Calzaghi, so uh, that, that doesn't look like Calzaghi. you have the cheat sheet <laughs> in front of you this one ooh this one's a good one I oh, know it's not actually I did, well it might be but I just uh, I picked the wrong one I thought that was a different one actually what is that one ooh, what's that one who is this bad boy is that Joe Lewis Nope. His initials are FP.
1: Floyd Patterson? Yeah. You got it. Doesn't doesn't even look... Like, it's tricky with those ones, man, because, you know, all these darkies
2: look like the same, mate.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right, here you go.
2: Here's one for you. Who is that? Pay attention to the type of card it is.
1: I know a woman that looks like that.
2: That is a joker. So therefore... That's Rocky. It is Rocky Balboa. Right, that's enough See, for kick But it was
1: tricky because I didn't know whether to say Stallone or Balboa.
2: Somebody got uh, got in touch with us last week and asked where they got... They, so these kick-ass cards are literally just playing cards, but they're just... They're just got some they're, yeah, maybe, they're Honestly, quite cool. get them. And if
1: you're playing poker, if you're on a train, going up to the boxing or something, you know, you make, make it all happen.
2: Um and you get them from kickasscards.com or you can get them at @kickasscards on twitter get in touch hey, with them at like i
1: said man anyone that wants their product reviewed or you know you know boosted have a little conversation
2: you know <laughs> it I mean? was it was i just she was uh, the lady yeah. Michaela got in touch with us and just asked I said, what if you send them to us and we can have a look at them? Um, nice. If they're rubbish, then they'll be rubbish. Uh, and and listen, I'd say and, and, it. <laughs> and listen, we've we
1: got the numbers they're on fun. the platform now. We're, we're, not, we're, not, we're not jimmying numbers over here. We ain't got no sponsors oh, to Don't impress.
2: get started down that road again. This hey. has been a nice podcast hey. so far.
1: No, no, but I do want an investigation into how many of these outlets are playing with their numbers.
2: Oh, God. Who's going to run that investigation?
1: Porky, probably. <laughs> Shouts out to Porky, man. Pork is Christy. Living legend.
2: Okay, uh, hopefully next week, well, in fact, we're going back to full strength because Martin, uh, even if Martin is here, Terry won't be. Yeah, I'm at a christening. So let's hope that Martin is here because you don't want just me because we won't even know what we're talking about. <laughs> um, if it is just, oh, maybe I could do one if I, if I watch the Fury fight, but let's hope that Martin comes in to hold up the, uh, hold up the fort for the oh, on a side note, boxing fan.
1: There, there was a Goodwin show last night. Don't know where Martin was. He didn't even leave us a voice note. So I imagine Martin didn't even go. I don't know. I don't know if the shows have just got that bad that he doesn't care anymore. But Brad Pauls is now Southern Area champion. I don't really know what that means anymore. So I'm not close to that scene. But it's about time he fought Linus. Let's just stop dicking around Brad Pauls versus Linus. Because there was all of this talk about, yeah, Linus needs to fight Taylor and Jones. Then they had that ultimate boxer tournament, which we never discussed on this podcast. And on that Ultimate Boxer Tournament, which is for the middleweights, Tay lost in his first fight. And so all these guys like Derek Assaze, Grant Dennis, have all moved past this whole Linus Brad Paul's discussion. So now these guys have to fight each other and one of them has to elevate. I, I, want I don't f- want to hear none of this, they're training camp mates. Yeah, this. that's
2: what I feel I've heard before. They don't want I don't f- care.
1: Yeah. Let them fight each other. Stop stop pretending that they've got other routes to go down. Let these two guys fight each other.
2: What about if they didn't want to fight each other?
1: then listen, stop putting them in title fights. Like if you're really a title winning champion, just get in there. You know, and remember I come from like, from the amateur background that you fight each other. Club mates have had to fight each other before. We had it once where in one weight class, we had three boxers. We had Jermaine Williams, Jermaine Brown and Zach Chelley. And they all had to fight. So Jermaine Jermaine Williams had to fight Zach Chelley who then had to fight Jermaine Brown, who I've got the wrong order. But those three had to fight each other just to get out of the Londons.
2: Okay, that brings us to the end. Yep. Are you agreed? Uh, I I would like to hear some feedback on how you think we've handled the whole Joshua thing I like, and the way that we've approached it this week. I'd like to hear some feedback on any of your thoughts regarding this podcast. Let us know. No, 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 I don't.
1: I don't. Well, I actually. do. You're I, not I, on no, Twitter. do no, no. no, so no, 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 no. But i tell you why. We... We don't want to become slaves to making other people happy
2: because then we don't enjoy it so much. We no, don't have to, but a bit, it's, I, I like the way that we, we can pick and choose from it, can't we? I mean, well, I didn't read out all of the feedback from the Joshua episode because not all of it was relevant. I'd
1: rather people see us in person and say the stuff. Why? Because I think when people tweet stuff, sometimes they get caught up in the moment, in their feelings, and they might say the wrong thing whereas in person you're going to be like I don't know
2: (laughs) well I think we've all done that but at the same time just let us know what you think let us know how you're feeling about uh, the podcast in general and I'm not going to go on about that anymore if you want those Kick-Ass Cards get on uh, on (laughs) Twitter get on uh, kickasscards.com and if you agree with everything that tartan Bold asked the answers that he got to his questions like especially oh, what's your favorite porn let us know it's really important stuff uh terry gonna miss your train so let's get going thank you very much for listening and we'll see you next week Martin's with us this week.
1: Okay, so first thing I want to say to people is dick. And Martin's like, dick. Nah, I didn't say that. Get on Twitter, get on... Dick.